Hey, it's Quinn Miners, and you're listening to The Blitz. Welcome back to another episode of The Blitz. This is episode number 22, or we like to refer to it as the David Wilson episode. So uh, my name is Anthony DeBona. You can follow me on Twitter at Debona. You can also follow my co-host and brother, John DeBona, on Twitter at Jorge Blanco. And of course, you can follow the show on Twitter at The Blitz Podcast. Like every other episode, we really do appreciate if you could like, rate, follow, subscribe, whatever, all that good stuff on whatever listening platform you're using. And uh, speaking of David Wilson and former Giants running backs, another one has uh, made headlines today. And John's, I don't know if he's his favorite Giant of all time, but he's up there. Uh, yes, Brandon Jacobs. Brandon Jacobs, 100% my favorite, not only Giant, but player of all time. Okay, so uh, I'm going to start it off and then I'll just let John run with it because this is his guy. So Brandon Jacobs... Got some attention earlier today. He tweeted out the following. He said, well, since Tebow came back after being off a good bit, I'm announced today that I will come back. I will play defensive end for whatever team gives me a chance. So, John, go ahead. Yes, is my first response. Um, I was so excited to see this. Do I think anybody's actually going to give him a chance? No, because he's going to be 39 soon. He's uh, – been out of the league since 2013, which I know Tebow has been out of the league for a while too. But Tebow's only 32 as opposed to Jacobs will be 39 come July. Um, I would love to actually see it. I know he's 39 and that means that like he should be done, especially as a positional player and not a quarterback. But at the same time, seven years away from the game or almost eight years away from the game, he retired in 2013. Um might mean he actually has a fresh body. He was always an absolute monster. And we've talked before about uh, him slapping your hand at training camp when he was a rookie. Yes, it still um, hurts to this day. He's just an animal. He's, what, 6'4", 260. He is prototypical defensive end size, basically. Um, he kind of worked perfectly as an outside rush backer for the Giants. He so wait, always... Yeah. Let me jump in real quick because I got – you just mentioned his measurables. So okay. I went ahead and I went on uh, one of my favorite draft tools to use, uh, mockdraftable.com, which always compiles like every player's measurements, usually at the combines when they get them. And then okay. what you can do is you can look at players. Usually it goes by what position they play, and it compares them based on that. So obviously Brandon Jacobs, I think he came out in 2005. So he was 6'4", 267 ran a four five six and had a 37-inch vertical, right? So obviously those numbers are ridiculous for a running back. But on mock draftable, you could also compare him just to other athletes, which is ranks them above, well, among every other player that, that they have in their database. And then it, you could also look at, like, the percentiles and, then like, the total percentile is who they measure closest to from, like, an athletic testing standpoint. So second for Brandon Jacobs – I think it was second or fourth. It was pretty up there. It was actually two-time Pro Bowler Adelius Thomas, who used to play for the Ravens hmm. and the Patriots. They had very similar measurables. And then obviously Thomas had 53 sacks and 15 forced fumbles in 10 years. And then another funny thing, since they're talking about Tebow, is one of Jacob's closest comparisons on the offensive side of the ball was – I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame yet, but he's probably going to be one day, is uh, Peyton Manning's old favorite target, Dallas Clark. Hmm. So I just thought that was interesting to throw in there. So, Yeah, like I said, I don't think anybody's actually going to give him a chance because he is almost 39 years old. 
But I would love to see it, even if for no other reason than like fun preseason stuff. Because I feel like it's always interesting to have those sort of like depth competition type things for preseason to make preseason games fun because you're not going to see the starters very long. Um, if I was a team, I would legitimately at least invite him to a workout if I need a pass rusher, especially a team like the Giants. Because he's also a two-time Super Bowl champ, and I think that alone is good to have in your locker room. And he was always a very good, like, rah-rah, fire-everybody-up guy. So I think just to have a veteran who can give, like, accountability, and even as far as, like, defensive meetings and stuff, just being able to recognize what an offense is doing a bit more and almost be a player coach, um, I think he could be beneficial to a team that way. So, like I said, obviously, I don't think he's going to make a roster. I don't. I doubt he even actually gets a camp invite. But he looks shredded in his pictures. And... I mean, he like I said, he was always a freak. So I don't. If you're a team that like is like, mm, I could really use some edge help just this year. Why not kick the tires and just see? Let him, let him show what he can do. How amazing would it be if that like the past couple of years? I feel like the Giants have been like throwing darts on day two at like these edge rushers, and then out of nowhere they just pluck like old ass Brandon Jacobs, and he gets like five sacks for like the vet minimum or something. That would just be so crazy. Brandon Jacobs, ten sacks, the first ever. <laughs> 39-year-old with 10 sacks in his first year playing the position. Oh, um, God. But yeah. No, but I, I, like I said, I'm always going to have a soft spot for Jacobs. I think he could also be – like, obviously, if you were ever going to give him a chance, I think he could sort of be the, like, defensive chess piece a little bit too, not as far as moving around on defense. But as far as, like, I think he would operate as a goal line running back still to some degree. So – or short yardage. Like, I don't know. Again, I don't think anybody's going to do it, but, man, would it be fun to see. So that's what Dave Gettleman should have did. He should have took the money that he gave to Devontae Booker. Oh, my God, you shut up. And, and threw it at Brandon shut, Jacobs. Shut your so mouth already. Because he'll probably have the same amount of rushing yards as Booker, but then he could probably get you, like, five sacks as an outside linebacker, too. Oh, my God, I hate you so much. <laughs> All right, but you had mentioned Jake, Brandon Jacobs looking shredded, but – uh. Our boy Tim Tebow, they had to, like I think it was like two pictures from practice where he had caught a pass, and that guy's biceps got to be what? What? What was Hulk Hogan's? Uh, Tim Tebow is the inside of an egg because that man is yoked. <laughs> Tim Tebow, is, his veins has veins. He's so he's so big, swole. He should be on AEW, which is a wrestling <laughs> reference that you won't get because you don't like the best sport in the world. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know how Tim Tebow all of a sudden became uh, not the quarterback Jay Cutler, but the bodybuilder Jay Cutler, like, overnight. <laughs> this man's arms look like he'd been doing, like, prime macho man steroids. I don't know what this guy is on, but whatever he is, he looks like he's ready to not only block Miles Garrett, but fistfight Miles Garrett. I just had to Google it. Do you remember that picture of uh, LaRon Landry? The, I think he was on, the, on Washington at the time. Yes. Yeah, his arm like that's who like Tim Tebow should like arm wrestle right now. Yeah. Ron Landry used to be jacked, and Tim Tebow looks doesn't I, mean he's gonna be anything worth noting, but it's still you. You guys heard it here first, and I think Mayweather and Jake Paul is set to happen next week. If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> oh However, I'm calling it now because the whole world is pro wrestling. I think Tim Tebow going to Jacksonville. Brandon Jacobs talking about coming back to the defensive end, I think we're getting a Triller co-main event. Brandon <laughs> Jacobs and Tim Tebow 
in a five-round classic. Oh the co-main event, whatever the next Paul Brothers fight is after uh, after the Mayweather one. Because who doesn't want to see a 39-year-old jacked-up Brandon Jacobs and a 32-year-old <laughs> swoller than he's ever been Tim Tebow just duking it out? That would be hilarious and also something I could sadly actually see happen. But uh, that was another funny thing about the whole Brandon Jacobs thing. Is like he's not one of those, at least from what I know, he's not one of those athletes or former professional athletes that like talks a bunch on Twitter and is like always getting involved. So like say like somebody like like Ocho Cinco. I would say he's but, my favorite. He's my favorite athlete of all time. Maybe second only to Ocho Cinco, but definitely my favorite giant. And I didn't even know he had a Twitter until today. Exactly. That's why I was like, wait, Brandon, that Brandon Jacobs? Like it was just yeah. At first, I, at first, I assumed it was like a joke troll sort of thing and i think to some degree it might be but he sounds sincere so if there's any level of sincerity to him like actually doing it i why not yeah i i think it would be i don't think it's going to happen like you said because it's just there's only like two preseason games no i was saying real, realistically realistically you're not going to sign a 30 39 year old running back to play defense event but like oh, i said I'm, i want to see somebody at least give him a look if the xfl is uh, starting up next year or 2023 or whatever it is. And they have a New York team still. The, the Guardians are our favorite team of all time. They should 100% throw the max contract on Brandon Jacobs. Because I'm telling I you, would, it would flock to see him. I would play Brandon Jacobs at quarterback and just <laughs> sneak the ball. I I don't know. I don't think I've really talked much on here about like when I played and I was a terrible football player. But one of my favorite games ever was a game that we traveled down to Delaware. I think I've talked about that before. And we only had like 13 guys. We took a bus, whatever. But um, we ended up losing by two points. We lost eight to six. But the six that we scored was we basically put this guy who I think he played for Mississippi State at some point. But the guy was like, no joke, six six. I'd say about 270 probably. And we just ran a quarterback sneak all the way down the field. It was literally play after play. It was literally the only play you ran for a drive. And we took the ball, I think, like 90 yards and scored on it because this guy was just such a big monster. And I got to block guys who weren't very big, I guess. So <laughs> that combination worked for us. But that's what you got to do with Brandon Jacobs. Just put him in a quarterback, quarterback sneak, little throws, do that. I'm all for Brandon Jacobs playing more football, however, wherever, even if they got to restart the uh, NFL game just to get it in. In the words of your favorite coach of all time, Chip Kelly, Big people beat up little people. So that's just how it works. Yeah. That's uh, not like a Joe Judge quote, but <laughs> or a Dave Bellman. I'm pretty sure Chip Kelly said that. But uh, <laughs> speaking of big people, so another uh, thing <laughs> took over Twitter today, or it might have been late last night. I'm not sure. But Justice Terry from Manchester, Georgia. Yeah, Erasmus <laughs> Hall freshman. Yeah. So this kid – He's not even in ninth grade yet. He just finished eighth grade. But uh, just, just take a second to, to take this in. He's six foot five, 260 pounds. And, and he's shredded. going into high school. Also shredded. Yeah. Tebow, he, up, he looks like he could be up there with Tebow and Jacobs today. Yeah, he put a, a tweet up with himself shirtless, like flexing. And he's saying like how he's ready for ninth grade. And it absolutely blew up. I think I just checked before we started recording. It has like 45,000 likes. And I think he only had probably a couple hundred followers before he even tweeted it out. So the guy, I think Barstool wrote an article about him, Bleach Report. The guy is just blowing up. The, the top reply to the tweet is like, 
Nick Saban is offering him a Tesla right now or something like that. It's just my, like... fa- my favorite uh, comment on it was people who were saying that he looks like a 1980s crip. <laughs> like, you ever see the old gang photos of yeah, like, yeah. prisons? And they're all yeah, just like, he looks like... And just jacked. Um, he looks like he's been doing some push-ups in the yard for about a 10-year bid. But it's, It was my favorite thing, too, because people are like, people wonder why gang members resort to guns and knives when all the old gang members wanted to throw fists and they all look like this. And it was like basically <laughs> this ninth grade. But, he literally, like, he's he has to go D1, like, now. He's going to be one of those kids that, like, just gets an offer just because of the way well, he looks. Like, I didn't know they ranked middle school athletes, but I saw that he tweeted that he's the number one ranked middle school athlete in the country, which, like, yeah, no shock. Yeah. Um, it was just, like, you know for sure. Like, we both played organized sports, like, being younger. There were some guys that, like, constantly had teams ask for, like, their birth certificate, like me with, with Flip playing basketball and you with, I'm sure, and, a couple guys, or even yourself. Like, yeah, was he like, was one of those guys that were like, there's no way he's 12 years old. 13, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just like, you know teams who are like, uh, is, are you sure he's only uh, 12 or 13, whatever that Le- one is? I legitimately, and I'm saying this sincerely, I don't believe this kid is a real ninth grader. Like, <laughs> and I'm not saying that as a joke. Like, I truly think this kid was either left back a few times or somebody's giving him something that he shouldn't be taking at his age. I do not believe that a natural, I know athletes like grow at an insane rate these days, but to have that combination of a height size and muscle mass, I don't believe that this is a legitimate, what 14 or 15, I guess, I guess in the South, you could be 15, right? And be a freshman theoretically. Like, but in New York, you would be 13 or 14 as a freshman. There's no way this kid is 14. Like, he's a minimum of 16 or 17, and even that would be insane for his size. But I don't believe that this kid is, like, this is either, like, a troll job from somebody or this this kid is not real. He's not, If he is real, he's not real. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way that this kid is natural and 14 or even 15 years old. Yeah, there's something uh... – in the water down there, down south, in, in Georgia, where he's from. But speaking of Georgia, there's another freak in uh, Julio Jones who looks like he's going to be actually traded. So uh, Diana Rossini from ESPN tweeted earlier today, the Atlanta Falcons have discussed several trade offers for Julio Jones, including an offer for a future first-round draft pick, per sources. There is a sense around the league a trade could go down as early as next week. So keep in mind that obviously as early as next week makes sense. Because June 1st is when a ton of certain cap numbers will come off the books or teams will be able to just release players or trade players without as much of a penalty against the cap as they would have before June 1st. So it makes sense because that's similar to what people are saying the Eagles are doing with Zach Ertz. Because if they traded him or cut him before June 1st, they would take a huge cap hit. If they wait until after then, they save about $4 million, something like that. And obviously Julio Jones has a much bigger contract. But it's still actually affordable considering the caliber of player he is when he's healthy. Because I think it's like $15 million next season and then $11 million each of the following two seasons. So who knows? He might want like a restructure and more guaranteed money or whatever it is. But uh, it's interesting because when he's healthy, he's obviously one of the best in the game. So a lot of people are comparing it to when Terrell Owens was available and the Eagles had traded for him. So um, they're right around the same age. I think Terrell Owens was like 31. And uh, Julio, I think, is 31 or 32 now. So. It's just uh, interesting. I 
think that there's a couple teams that make sense looking for him. Um, Baltimore, the team that I thought might have traded for him on draft night, to me makes a lot of sense. They have quite a bit of cap room, if I'm not mistaken, and they've been desperate for a wide receiver. Um, San Fran, to me, is a tempting offer, too. I know they have, like, a young quarterback. and I don't know if he has a no-trade clause or anything. I doubt it. But uh, that could be an option to give Fields – or not Fields, uh, Lance a uh, proven weapon there. I also think Indy is an attractive team because I feel like their pass-catching core is – as much as I like Pittman, I feel like their pass-catching core is very questionable. And those are three teams that I think have – I think they all have at least like nine million plus in cap space, if I'm not mistaken. So even if they have to move numbers around a little bit, I think those are all teams that squeeze Julio in there pretty easily. Um, an under the radar team that, again, I think they would. This team would have to do a lot of moving to, I think, fit his cap number in, if I'm not mistaken. But if Green Bay really wants to get Rodgers to stay, what better way than pairing Julio and Devontae? I think that could smooth things over real quick, or Seattle for that matter too. I know Seattle has Lockett and uh, Metcalf, but. Why not add a third guy over there even, especially if you're not going to help the line? Like some of these teams that have disgruntled quarterbacks that are stars, if you're not going to add the linemen, give them extra targets and let them throw the ball wherever, whatever. Yeah, I feel like I've seen all of those teams you mentioned, or at least most of them. And uh, But two you didn't say that actually have the cast space just to take them on right now. They wouldn't have to wait for June 1st that I've seen people report that are interested in the Chargers and the Patriots. So yeah, those both – I mean – the Patriots, with how much money they spent this year, would make a lot of sense because they want somebody to catch the ball, and the wide receivers that they signed are pretty underwhelming, even though they signed two of the best tight ends on the market. The Chargers make a lot of sense, too, because I talked about before how like they have Keenan Allen and really nothing much else as far as like catching the ball. Oh, and Herbert Williams? looks so good that... Yeah, but I don't know. They like, had a good year last year. Huh? So I think any of those teams really make sense. I know uh, we talked about privately the AJ Brown video yes. where he was trying to pander for uh, or angle, I should say, for getting Julio to Tennessee, and that would be awesome. But Tennessee has like no cap space right now. I think I think it. I read that they maybe have three million. Yeah, I'm looking at right now. They have. Uh, almost 3.3. Yeah, and I know in the NFL, cap space is very fluid. and You could make space with relative ease. But I don't know who they would cut or how they would restructure to be able to squeeze Julio in there. I mean, it would make some sense because, like, you get him in the AFC, and I think that's a big thing with, like, the appeal of maybe Baltimore over a team like Green Bay or San Fran or even, like you said, New England or the Chargers. I think anytime you trade a good player, getting him out of conference is – Kind of important, but it is weird though because I know uh, you basically said online that like, what is Atlanta doing? But yeah, to some degree I see it. To some degree I don't, because like, yeah, you just restructured Matt Ryan, so you would think you want to like give him the last little boost that you can and like get whatever you can out of him before he calls it quits. And having Julio Ridley and uh. And Pitts there would really, you know, be as loaded as you can get. But at the same time, Ridley had an amazing year last year. 
with Julio banged up a lot. And we both think Pitts is going to be, I think, a pro bowler almost from day one. So I kind of get to wanting to just get that cap number off your books and try to get some picks back and start working towards the future too. Because like I half-jokingly compared it to when the Giants were trying to get the last out of Eli but then moved on from Odell. But I don't necessarily think this is that because I think Ridley and Pitts are both way better than anything the Giants had when they did get rid of Odell, even though I still stand by that move. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. But I I kind of get it from both sides. I don't – like, whoever takes them on, obviously it's worth the risk. And Atlanta, if you have Ridley and Pitts, I kind of see thinking Julio might be a luxury that you maybe can't afford when you have so many other holes. Yeah, and then I like had some people respond to the, my tweet on Twitter about that whole Matt Ryan situation. So apparently, like restructuring his contract was something they basically had to do because they were so far over the cap that like you have to get under the threshold by the time the new league year starts. So he was basically that was like keeping him and restructuring him to pushing his money down to further like the next two seasons mm-hmm. was like the only move they could make to really get under that line. So I, like, I get it now, but still, like, it just – it's kind of conflicting. But also, they yeah. probably really like Russell Gage also, who really had a good season last year after – especially when Julio went down. Yeah, I forgot so, about Gage, too. Because he had 72 – I'm looking at it right now. He had 72 catches for 786 yards and four touchdowns. And I think it was – Yeah, I feel, like he, I feel like he was one of those guys that was, like, constantly on the waiver wire in fantasy. Yeah, exactly. And then I always, like, almost ended up picking up and then never actually touched yeah, so right now, obviously prior to June first, I think Julio's cap hit is right around like fourteen and a half or fifteen million. So the teams that could afford that right now would be the Colts, Panthers, Patriots, Washington, 49ers, Lions, Broncos, Chargers, Browns, Bengals, Jets, and Jaguars. So Jets would be another team. Jets would be another team that would make some sense to me. Again, I don't think Julio would want to be there, but Again, you have a young quarterback. Why not give him, you know, one of the best receivers in football? And I know he yeah. wouldn't be there long term, but just to, I think there's, I think there really is value, and I'm seeing it more now watching Daniel Jones struggle, like last year especially. But I think there is value to just being like, we know the targets that we have are good. So if this quarterback doesn't look good, then it's it can only either be the line of the quarterback. It's not. We know it's not the targets. Like. I think bringing Julio in would be a big step towards helping that. Yeah, I feel like it was kind of interesting that uh, – what do you make of the whole situation of, like, Shannon Sharp calling him on air? I feel like it was completely, like, scheduled by – not even necessarily, like, Julio himself. But I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the Falcons had a, had a say in it too, where, like, they were trying to make it more publicly known that he's, like, really available. Like, I don't know. Maybe trying to, like, drive up the market. I was I didn't see – I didn't watch the clip. I like saw a post about it, but I really can't speak to it because I haven't seen it. But I don't know. In general, in general, I feel like you know that I'm not crazy about the uh, the whole first take undisputed sort of like hot take shows anyway. So yeah, it was just weird because he like he calls him on speakerphone, and you can like at least from the broadcast you can clearly hear like Skip Bayless saying like, "Oh, ask him, ask him. What about Dallas? What about Dallas?" Like you would hear him saying that. And then Shannon Sharp just asking him, like, oh, it's your favorite uncle. Uh, he's like, uh, what's going on with you and Lynn or something like that? And he's like, oh, I'm at – Julio's like, oh, I'm out of there. And then he asked him, like, oh, what do you want from – like, where do you want to go? He's like, oh, I just want to win. 
I like that. So I, I like that Skip Bayless is like a journalist with like, and I use journalist with in air quotes, but Skip Bayless is a journalist with what probably four decades in the business, if not more, at this point. Mm-hmm. And he's still turning into a fanboy, like you talking to Quinn Miners. You're like, <laughs> is it the Eagles? Are you going to the Eagles? Are the Eagles in the Yeah. Like, that's what Skip Bayless just turns into. It's the best. But also, I feel like it was a little interesting to see uh, Diana Rossini mention that, like, I don't know if it's true. It could just be, like, his agent talking, whatever, that, like, a future first-round pick was thrown out there. Because I feel like recently we've seen the opposite, where reports are like, oh, he's definitely not going to get a first-round pick in return. It's probably, like, a second-round pick. Yeah. So then I, I looked at the teams that – because I know, of course, Eagles fans right away are like, oh, my God, they need Julio Jones. And I was, like, going back and forth with people on Twitter for way longer than I like I, to admit. I was like, just interrupt. I think I think the Eagles could absolutely use Julio Jones. Again, I think just sort of like going back to the Giants, I think you want to have targets that you know are proven so that you know what you have in your quarterback, especially when you have all the other picks to potentially use. Or the fact that you could potentially trade a first and still have two. But I also understand the Eagles are in a terrible cap situation and you can't really afford it. Like that's my thing though, is like you just spent back to back picks on on wide receivers and then you have potentially three first round picks next year, but I feel like it would be smarter for them to save that and then they could potentially make a move for a quarterback if Jalen Hurts isn't the guy. Then I guess that, but at the a... same time but at the same time Julio makes it easier to know if Hurts is the guy because I think we both think Devontae Smith's going to be great, but that's only one option. Ertz, it seems like, is, is banged up a lot now. Goddard's really good, but I feel like he's had injury issues too at times. And then Rieger, I feel like, showed nothing last year at all. To you, yeah. like, I know he was a first-round pick, and so you're not going to obviously cut him right away. You want to, like, you hope that it's, you know, an aberration and then he turns it around. But I feel like there's nothing to give you hope there either, really. Yeah, but I just feel... He was a first-rounder. And plus, like you said, it's just the whole financial situation because right now, obviously, that's if they the, trade that's, Ertz, that's the bigger obstacle. I feel like that's the reason you can't do it ultimately. Because right now, I think they have like under four million in cash base. But I mean, they get a little bit more once the Alshon Jeffrey and Malik Jackson post June first cuts come into effect, yeah. and then if they do trade Zach Ertz or just release him, but it's still I don't think it's enough or close enough to do that. And they still have to sign their draft class. So I just I don't know. I just don't see it happening. But who knows? He could agree to an extension and then that completely lowers his cap number this year. But the other teams that also have an extra first-round pick, I just want to touch on that real quick, are the Jets, Lions, Eagles, Dolphins, Giants. So I feel like um, it's just worth okay. noting those are the uh, teams with extra first-round picks. Yeah, I was obviously, I didn't catch all those names. I can say for sure the Giants aren't doing it with how much money and picks they used on the spot this year. Um, I doubt the Lions are going to do it, even though they really, really need a wide receiver because they don't seem like they're ready to win now at all. Although it would be really fun if all of a sudden they got Goff. I know the rumor now came out today that uh, they're working out Gurley. If you can get yeah. Goff, Gurley, and Julio, that would all of a sudden be a sneaky fun offense. Um, if they could stay healthy, which they probably can't. But, yeah, I don't know. I think he's going to go to a contender, if, assuming he gets moved. It's just a matter of which one. Yeah, I think it's just going to come down to them getting what they want, supposedly, in a first-round pick. And like I said, it's it's Julio Jones. So I feel like somebody's going to eventually just say my, all this. My so, official on, on-paper pick right now is Baltimore. That's, that's my final answer. Yeah, I think they don't right now have – I don't know what their situation is after June 1st, but right now they only have $9.7 million in cap space. But they probably make the most sense. 
Because like they said, they can, they can move, in, so. but nine point seven isn't so far off, and I'm sure they can move numbers around to make that work. Even if Jackson has to be restructured or whatever. Yeah, and they still have they still have him on that late first round pick contract. So if they're gonna go all in now, it's like yeah, now would be the time. But imagine like the turnover. Like he was going from throwing to uh, Marquise Brown and uh, Willie Sneed, and now he's gonna be throwing to Rashad Bateman, Julio Jones. Marquise Brown will be like his third receiver. So I don't know. That would be like quite. And who else did they sign? Was it Watkins? They bring in too. Oh yeah, Sammy Watkins, but he's gonna play like two games a season somehow. But in those two games, he's gonna have like four hundred yards. Yeah, I'll say you'll look like the best receiver in football for that's, two weeks. That's just what Sammy Watkins does. But um, I think we could take a quick break here, and when we get back, we'll get into uh, NBA fans losing their damn minds yesterday as we're recording this, and then uh, some more NFL talk. So uh, we'll be right back. What's up, everybody? It's Anthony Abona, and it's time for a word from our sponsor, Fanspeak.com. Now, just because the 2021 NFL Draft is over, most of the big-name free agents are signed, there's still a whole lot you can do over at Fanspeak.com. You can use the -the on-the-clock 2021 redraft tool, where you can take control of your favorite team and fix all the mistakes you think they made during this year's draft, or you can get a head start on next year's class with the -the on-the-clock 2022 tool, which allows you to get all the knowledge you need about next year's prospects Get a head start on that process so you can put on your GM hat and see what your team can do next year. So uh, let's get back to the episode. All right. So let's jump right back into some more NFL talk. So there was another report that came out. I guess now it's been confirmed by now that uh, the 2022 salary cap number has been set. It increased by almost $26 million, more than last year's number. So uh, now it's going to be set at two hundred and eight point two million. So money, uh, money, 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 money. <laughs> exactly. So all those uh, TV deals have paid off. All right. Okay. All right. All right. So all those uh, TV deals paid off. I guess. Obviously, the pandemic's over. It seems like all the stadiums are going to be at full capacity for the start of the regular season. So uh, now all that money is going to be flowing in. No issues. And uh, it's good news for both of our teams because they need all the help they can get. Uh, your team more than mine, but yes. <laughs> no, what do you mean? My team has more cap space than yours. Your team also needs a lot more than my team right now, at least on paper. No, that's true, I guess. But uh, so right now, according to Open the Cap. The team with the most cash base next year. It seems like this is the same thing every year. Did you run all the way across the house to look at the list? No, I. You sounded so distant from the microphone for a minute. Oh, no, I don't know why. But uh, the Colts have 83 million in cash space for next season. I feel like every year they're at the top. It's like them and the Jaguars, but the Jaguars are not at the top next year. But the Colts have 83 million in cash space. The Steelers will have seventy-eight million, and then the Jets come in with sixty-seven million. But uh, my Eagles will only have twenty million. I thought it was forty million, but I did the math wrong, and uh, some websites had the wrong info. So the Eagles have twenty point six million, and then your uh, Giants got six million in cash. Wow, it's a lot of money. Yeah, so uh, I don't know what they'll be spending on. Of course, teams could always make cuts and whatnot. You had talked about a couple that they could make. I feel like Nate Solder is probably the easiest one, right? Yeah. Um, 
For the Giants, Solder obviously being the most obvious, assuming Pert and Thomas both take the step forward that you hope they take. Um, also, I love the guy. I think he is the ultimate sort of glue guy. I think he should be a captain this year. But I think if all goes well, Logan Ryan could be on the chopping block next year. Um, again, nothing really personal against him. I just think he's going to be on the older side. And you hope that you can have Peppers and McKinney really solidify themselves next year. Um, and then you have all those corners, obviously, that you signed and drafted between Jackson and Bradbury and Aaron Robinson, Darnay Holmes. So I think Logan Ryan's another one that could be on the chopping block. Um, if Nick Gates doesn't get his stuff together, he can be on the outs. Not that he would save a lot of money, but that's another guy. Um, of course, Kyle Rudolph, too, who I think is going to be a big contributor, especially in the red zone this year, but also has struggled to stay healthy and with having potentially Ingram and uh, if Kelvin Benjamin shows anything, Caden Smith and whatever else they have, um, I can see, you know, him being on the chopping block too. Um, there are some guys the Giants are going to have to resign next year, just looking up and down the roster. Um, as far as projected starters this year, Will Hernandez, Evan Ingram, and Jabril Peppers are all slated to be free agents next year. Then you got guys who I think could compete for starting jobs this year that are going to be free agents next year already, like uh, Adenigbo and uh, Zach Fulton, potentially, um, Reggie Ragland, and a couple other guys. But like I said, the big three really are Peppers, Ingram, and Hernandez. I think those are the three guys that have to play themselves into new deals for next year for the Giants. But I love that the cap went up because now, if nothing else, at least the Giants – don't have to cut anybody who does play well this year to shore up the team next year, which it looked like at one point they might have if the cap was going to stay close to what it was this year. Yeah, it seems like – I don't know how accurate this is, but I guess because he restructured his contract, um, Nate Solder doesn't really have any kind of uh, cap hit next season. Like It's pretty much all bonus. Okay. So it's going to be stretched out. He's getting the $4 million no matter what over, I guess, however long they extended it or however Yeah, so, so then at, that, at that point, you might as well just keep him around. But Yeah, because if they cut him, it literally does nothing. But there are players, like you mentioned, like Kyle. Yeah, I was like, would... he wasn't... I had made a list yesterday and he wasn't on it. I know... Like I said, I forget who who it was, but everybody was basically saving, I think, anywhere from 2 to $7 million. Oh, Sterling Shepard was another one, too, who I think could be on the chopping block next year. I just remembered. Because I think yes. you sign Galladay, you hope Tony shows out a little bit, and then if Slayton can continue to develop, I think Sterling Shepard struggled to stay on the field, and he's a guy who could definitely end up cut after this year if things work out. Yeah, he seems – I'm looking at the thing now, according to over the cap. So they have him as – if he – like it's the same thing either way. You would save $6.5 million, but you take mm-hmm. a $4 million cap hit. But I think – I think like I said, it depends. If he has a really good rebound year and looks great, then obviously you just keep him. But like I said, you drafted Tony, you signed Galladay, you brought in John Ross, not that I expect anything of him, and you would have to extend him anyway. Um, but you still have Slayton under contract. And I think with Galladay, Slayton, and uh, Kadarius Tony, I think Shepard def- is one of the easier cuts to make next year, unless, again, things really fall off the rails. But those guys and Shepard prove himself. But to me, that's one of the most no-brainer cuts for the Giants. Like I said, I think him, I think a Logan Ryan, I think Kyle Rudolph. But I could also see guys like Rudolph and Ryan maybe taking cuts because they are later in their career if they want to just sort of stick around 
or restructuring or doing whatever to kind of stay around and not have the same like cap hit. Oh, one more number that sticks out to me: Riley Dixon definitely getting cut. Oh, a hundred percent. I think he's a, I think he's a really good punter, but I think he, he would free up what like almost three million. Three point two five for a special. I mean, it's hard because I I say this knowing full well what Matt Dodge uh, what Matt Dodge caused, but in general, I feel like specialists are pretty replaceable. Um. The one specialist, though, who was never replaceable, and we didn't even talk pre-show about this, but I just rem- uh, remembered, is the legend Adam Vinatieri calling it a career. Oh, yes. And he did it on... Uh, Pat McAfee's show. Yes. So that With made Pat- it even better. Again, Pat McAfee's the GOAT. Everybody knows that I'm a huge pro wrestling mark. Um, Pat McAfee is just the best. So, is he still this is completely off topic? But is he still doing the uh, commentating, or was that just? Like he, yeah, he com- he commentates every week for SmackDown, um, but he was the best when he was just getting to be a heel, and he had a couple matches, which he has not done. Obviously, now that he's a full time commentator on SmackDown, but I'm hoping that he will at some point. Oh, one more uh, thing to look at. This is just disgusting, but I'm looking at uh, all of the salary caps for every team next season. And guess who leads the NFL in dead money? Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Yep. They got about, <laughs> looks like, $7 million more than anybody else. So they're going to have $14.4 million in dead money. Well, at least you guys will be number one in something next year. And then the next closest team but is that's, the Texans. That's because of Wentz, though, no? No, that's actually not Wentz at all. Oh, Jesus Christ, then. Okay. Yeah, it's actually, uh, I think, Alshon Jeffrey, Malik Jackson, and a couple other guys that they cut. Yikes. So that that's what happens when you start kicking the can down the road and end up screwing you over. So whatever. The, but the next closest team is the Texans at seven million. So that just shows you uh, the caliber of team that they're next to in that category. But um Yeah, but I don't I would say, but I don't know if you know this. Uh the Giants overpaid Devontae Booker, so that makes everything good. okay with the Eagles. Oh, he's another easy cut next year, easily. You yeah, get, you save two million and pay nothing, yeah, he's getting cut. For well, sure. I think the other thing too is they also, I would say, they also uh, brought in Raquel Armstead and signed Corey Clement. So if either of those guys look good enough to solidify themselves as the number two, then yeah, Booker's definitely gone next year. Oh wow! I just googled Devontae Booker, and guess what today is? Uh, his birthday. Today is Devontae Booker's birthday. So I just want to say a very special happy birthday <laughs> to my least favorite running back for no no apparent reason at all other than. Just to troll I, I can't wait for him to score the touchdown that sends the Eagles home next year. And then I could just troll you about how you're paying Shaquan Barkley so much money and he's not playing. So it's just it's a win-win. Yeah. You'll be an Eagles fan either way, so it's a win-win for me. All right. Anyway, we'll move on to our final NFL topic. So uh, I feel like over the past month or so, we, every other day you were seeing a new team put out a statement via the Players Association saying that, oh, the players have talked and they are not going to show up for voluntary OTAs. And yeah, this, the, this really threw me off. Because the NFL doesn't have the proper protocols for COVID or whatever the case may be. And then voluntary OTAs roll around. And all of a sudden, nearly every team has like great attendance, maybe barring a few names here and there. But like, it's just not what I was expecting at all. I mean, it's a good surprise. I love, I'm all for extra football content. And I'm, I'm, I eat up the videos where players are mic'd up or being interviewed or whatever. So it was it was a pleasant surprise for me. Yeah, I saw all sorts of different numbers. I saw that the uh, 
I know a week or two ago, the Jets had like 80 people there. Um, I think the Giants at one point had 70, they said. But then it's weird because it like ebbs and flows because I think today or yesterday, the Giants had a voluntary OTA, and I think they said they had like 40-something guys there. And Jones was, of course, one of the guys. And I think so were Ingram and Shepard. But basically, none of the new additions on offense were there, which was a little surprising. But it seems like maybe not unexpected because I know on defense, Blake Martinez wasn't there either. So who knows? Yeah. I know uh, – I think Jordan Renan also said that uh, a lot of times with the OTAs, guys may have sort of pre-existing excuses even in a normal year where it's like whether it's a family commitment or, you know, a commercial appearance or whatever the thing is. Or just an arrangement with the team that we're going to work out on our own. Or um, if you're uh, Aaron Rodgers going to Hawaii with Miles Teller or whoever that guy is. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so I feel like it's it seems like it's varied from team to team because I know, obviously, because I'm a big Eagles fan, they're, apparently they had, like, the big-name veterans. Like, I know Brandon Graham, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson. They were all apparently involved in a discussion, like, with Nick Sirianni. Yeah. And apparently Sirianni was like, hey, I really want to work with you guys. Like, I want to be able to – install the playbook and whatnot. Yeah, but I heard, I heard the Eagles players Here we go. said that the only way they would attend is if they had a fun new tetherball game that they could play. Yes. And so that's what was finally – that's why some of the players ended up actually showing up. They're like, if we could dance and play tetherball, then and we think we think this is revolutionary and going to change the game. You missed the biggest thing is that apparently Nick Sirianni put a basketball hoop in the team meeting room. So that's – that's a big deal. But uh, so, yeah, it seems like they made an agreement where there was supposed to be, I think, like, an, I don't know if it was voluntary or some sort of OTA in June. So apparently they're not going to attend that. And then, like, everybody just pretty much agreed to attendance because I think everybody was in attendance for the whole thing. They're still there, yeah. except for Zacherts. So <laughs> it seems like he's gone, obviously. It's only a matter of time. But everybody he's else going, is He's there. going to Detroit with, uh, with Julio and Todd Gurley. Yeah, and Dan Campbell is going to assemble the best uh, team in 2018, but they're going to play in 2021. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's cool to see that all these players are showing up. Some teams seems like they're practicing in, like, helmets, shoulder pads, whatever. I know with the Eagles, they're literally just practicing in shirts. They're not even putting jerseys on. They have, like, shirts with their numbers on it. Uh, The Giants are doing doing full contact 60 minutes. Oh, of course, because that's Joe Judge. So he's the top Thibodeau. Joe Gettleman and Joe Judge. Joe Judge is the top Um, Thibodeau. Including including Daniel Jones being live. There's no red jersey for Daniel Jones. They're just letting him get smacked around. They figured, get it out of the way early. He's actually playing without shoulder pads and a helmet. Everybody else is. And he he doesn't have a line either. Like, not because they're bad, just because they're like, you know what, we just got to get used to getting hit. So... Oh, I was going to say, that's, there, he usually doesn't have a line. so Build up your quads, build up those shoulders. <laughs> All right, Dan, so. Danny thick thighs over there. <laughs> I think that's enough NFL talk because obviously the NBA playoffs are going on right now. And uh, although everybody would love to talk about what's going on on the court, it was this, at least last night as of recording this on, uh, what is it, Thursday night? Yeah. So on Wednesday night, there were three playoff games. And stink. Freaking yeah. Game. So apparently in all three games, it's come out that there was an incident where now, as of right now, fans have been banned from those stadiums because of the incidents. So the first one was, I feel like 
the most viral at the time was obviously a fan uh, poured popcorn on Russell Westbrook while he was walking through the tunnel because he just got injured. So the poor guy's like hobbling to the tunnel and then a fan just reaches over and pours popcorn on him, which what's, was ridiculous. What's funny about that though is like, it's wrong for sure. Like you shouldn't pour popcorn on anybody. But compared to the other two, this is like oh, the yeah. most mild, but got like far and away the worst reaction from the player because Russell Westbrook is Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook. So he's ready to pull a malice at the palace and go into a full fist fight over uh, some popcorn getting thrown on him. Well, the thing is, like, he mentioned it after the game, too. It's just like, this is like his third or fourth incident with a fan that, like, it was like a pretty big deal because he had, I think it was in Philly also. When the the old like white dude that was sitting courtside gave oh, him like, double remember, yeah. the double middle fingers, and that was like with a famous gift for like whose man's is this? Like where <laughs> he just like looked at the guy and like shrugged, like who the hell is this guy? Like that's where that came from. And then I think I don't know if it was OKC, I forget where else, but like somebody like apparently, and like I think they they confirmed that it happened. Somebody says like some crazy racial slurs to him when he like ran into the fans to like save a loose ball or something. So just like he's had history with these incidents, and it just like, and I feel like that was the one that was most clearly like visual on on camera too. Yeah. So like you, you like literally it was like on a primetime game, like with the whole Trey Young thing, which is what we'll get into next. Uh, Trey Young was inbounding the basketball, and a fan oh just like, pull, pulled his mask down and spit on Trey Young. Which that is like that's a, that's literally the worst thing you could do. But, I had to, I had to censor myself. That guy is an absolute coward. Yeah. Because like. Listen, the popcorn's bad, but it's still kind of silly and harmless because, like, it's not even like a drink. Nobody's going to slip and fall over popcorn. Like, it's disrespectful. You shouldn't do it. But there's no actual harm in, like, popcorn. And I guess, like, technically there's no physical harm in spit either, like, if it's hitting your back and not your front. But that is just such a, like, I don't know. It's the one thing that, like, even when I was a kid, like I said, I, I was never a fighter. I was never, like, this big tough guy, but like the only like one of the only times as a kid that I did get into a fight is because a kid spit at me, and to me that's like always been where the line is. And you're like I said, you're just a coward because you would never do that to the guy's face. You know you're gonna get your head knocked off. Like I don't know, that's such a like low class, like unnecessary move. Like I don't yeah. know, and I'm a Rangers fan, so I'm all for like giving the other team hell, especially if there's like that's the other thing too. There's no good reason for it, like. At least if you spit on, like, a Tom Wilson after he, like, has constantly cheap-shotted guys and try to end people's career, like, illegally. Like, again, I'm still not for spitting, but at least it's sort of warranted. All Trey Young's done is just play really well and taunt yeah. the fans with the finger on the lips. He hasn't, like, gone beyond basketball. He's not out there like, uh, who is it, Grayson Butcher or whatever? No, Grayson Butcher is a professor, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> what was, Grayson, what Allen. was the Grayson Allen? There you go. Um, Grayson Allen, like making dirty plays and you know trying to actually hurt people on the court, like then I could like almost understand you spitting at a guy, but spitting at a guy because he's just playing really well and he's a superstar for the other team, you're a scumbag. Like you're low class. You make all the fans look bad. You're a piece of trash. Like I know on Michael K and a couple of the other shows, I think Carlin today too, they were uh, complaining about like the vulgar chants and. I'm not a fan of vulgarity either. Like, I think you should try to be clever. Like, they talked about the Trey Young's balding chance, yes. which to me is like hilarious. And, like, that's where you should be attacking players is, like, with funny, like, wit. 
But, like, I know, again, going back to the Rangers, because that's some of the most fun that I've had at any sort of games, um, the Rangers fans were chanting, uh, at the time, the Rangers were playing the Capitals, and, like, the Capitals coach, uh, Bruce Boudreaux, had said that the garden isn't that loud. And so when the Rangers had a big lead, the, all the Rangers fans were chanting, can you hear us? And it was, like, deafening. And, of course, the Rangers ended up blowing that game anyway. <laughs> but, like, that was a good chant. And then a couple of people got, because he was a big, fat guy, um, Boudreaux's Donuts, like, that sort of stuff. And, like, that to me is sort of, like, the fun razzing of guys. But, yeah, when you start to get, like, physical and you're spitting or you're throwing things or whatever, like, like I said, once in a blue moon, I think it's warranted to a degree. Like, if there's a guy who's blatantly trying to be dirty, then I think you can – it sort of becomes fair game. Like the guy, like I said, a guy like Tom Wilson with the Rangers who's like – and not even just off one incident. Like, Tom, Tom Wilson is known for being a dirty player over the course of his career. And so I feel like if somebody's going to spit at Tom Wilson or throw something at Tom Wilson, again, I wouldn't personally because I don't want to get kicked out of any game that I'm paying to go see. But I could see why somebody would. But to just do it to a player because they're good is ridiculous, and you're a low life. Yeah, and I liked what um, Russell Westbrook said after the game because he was like, he mentioned how like this stuff's happened in the past, whatever. But then he also said like that same guy, he's not going to pour popcorn on my head if he saw me in the street because he knows what's going to happen. So it's like he's kind of like pointing out how like these fans feel like they're protected, yeah. which is why I want to bring in. Apparently, LeBron. I know LeBron James said this apparently about the whole Russell that, Westbrook okay, situation. That, I say, this is what this is where I draw the line a little bit though. Yeah, because like, like I don't. Well, think let me just say what he said. Okay, just say what he said because I got Cause, a little bit of a rant on this. Because LeBron apparently wants. He said about the Russell Westbrook situation, so I'm assuming it would be a blanket for all three of these scenarios. But he wants the fan's name to be made public. So. Yeah, that to me is. I'm not going to say crossing the line because, like, if you're willing to spit at somebody, then like, and then the guy's face is already out there. Then, like, I like I do think you're kind of asking for it. But where I do think it gets a little bit dangerous is like, I I honestly don't even feel bad for the guy if he loses his career over it because, like I said, if you're resorting to spitting, then that's really low. Like, I think the guy with the popcorn probably shouldn't have his name released out there because again, that's. It's bad, but it's not the same level of bad. Like, you could sort of dump popcorn on somebody thinking you're going to get a laugh. You're not spitting on somebody trying to get a laugh. You're spitting on somebody because you're a scumbag. Um, but I think what is dangerous is when you start to release names out there, I think people who support those players could be like, I'm going to make my name by going and physically hurting this person. And again, like the guy who spit, I feel like definitely deserves it. But like the guy with the popcorn on Westbrook, or if somebody is, like, trolling a player by being, like, vulgar but not racist or, like, over-the-top disrespectful, like, that to me is where it gets hard, too, because it's, like, like I said, I'm not, I don't love vulgar chants, really, but I also don't necessarily think that, like, like, I think to some degree players are getting a little bit too sensitive and a little bit too coddled. Like, I don't think you should ever be touched on the court, for sure, whether it's with an object or by yourself, like I said, unless you're Tom Wilson again, going back to that. But generally speaking, I don't think that should ever be the case. But I think outside of that, fans should be allowed to basically say almost whatever they want. Like I said, I think there's a line where when it comes to like racism or talking about like your kids or your family, and I'm sure we'll get into that, but I think John, uh, John Morant, 
But I think if fans are even just cursing at you personally, and like I said, keeping it sort of maybe low class but above the belt, if that's like a way to put it, then I think players got to have thicker skin. Like, you got to imagine what some of the players heard in the 80s and 90s and stuff. And at some point, you can't be riled by like, I know somebody tweeted like, protect our players or something like that. And it's like, okay, let's be, let's be a little bit realistic. Your life's not being threatened. Like, I understand that it sucks and it shouldn't happen. But again, to me, there's a line between getting spat on and then getting like an arena cursing at you or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I agree to a certain extent with LeBron because I feel like the thing is with a lot of these fans, because I know I think the Sixers fan was a season ticket holder, so he had like his season tickets revoked or whatever. But like say a fan is just going to a game for the first time ever or like he knows he's going and he like never really plans to go back again. There's really no like repercussions for doing something like that because like, yeah, you're banned from the stadium, but like there's no criminal charges or like anything like that. So you just lose your right to go to the games. But, like, if there is the, the chance, like, that, that their names become public, I feel like it would kind of keep people from even thinking about doing something like that because then they have to think, oh, what about if my family finds out or if my job finds out or whatever. I just feel like it would kind of just put – like I said, there's there's a certain things you do have to worry about with it, but I feel yeah, like well, just having well, that well, possibility. Said, that, that, to me, just goes back to, like – it, and I know it might be hard to make a sort of black and white, like, rule with it. But I do think that's where it becomes like, okay, well, what was the extent of what you did? Because, yeah. like I said, to me, if you're being blatantly racist to somebody, like, your name should be out there. Because your job should know that you're a racist. Like, your family should know that you're a racist. Like, that's what that should be. No, no, if but you're that's spitting what on somebody, like, if you're spitting on somebody, that should be out there. Like, you're an absolute scumbag. Yeah. If you're dumping popcorn on somebody, it's like, again, you shouldn't do it. But it's not like a drink. It's like... I don't know. I like I said the popcorn one. It's like that's that's a hard one for me because I totally got kicking the guy out of the arena. I don't think you just let fans do it, but to me that's not really like a criminal thing to the same degree. Like if somebody dumps popcorn on me, I'm gonna get pissed. I'm probably gonna want to fight them, but I'm not gonna want them arrested and fired from their job and what. I mean, I might personally because I'm I overreact to things, but like a level-headed person wouldn't want all that <laughs> done to somebody like. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you're like a professional oh. athlete, your adrenaline's obviously at an all-time high, especially a guy yeah. like Russell Westbrook. So if that's being done to you, of course you're gonna want that guy's name made public and like do because you know you can't physically put your hands on him. Yeah. So like you want to ruin know, his and life. I, and I get that, and I get them wanting that. I just don't think it should be the case. Like I said, in, like, depending on the situation, like the spitter release that guy's name, like. I know some of the things that have come up about people maybe saying to John Morant's family. That's where it depends on – to me, it depends on what was said exactly. Please. All right, so let me let me get into that. So this is the one that kind of caught everybody off guard because I think the Jazz Stadium or the Jazz themselves put out a statement saying that three fans were banned. I think it was like – they didn't even say for like forever. It was just like for An for indefinite now. amount of time. Yeah, yeah and in, an indefinite amount of time. So three fans from the Jazz Grizzlies game have been banned because apparently they directed some – crazy words towards uh, John Morant's family in the stands. So according to ESPN's Tim McMahon, he said uh, he spoke to, I think, both parents and he said he had tweeted one fan told John Morant's dad T, this is a quote I'll put a nickel in your back and watch you dance, boy. End quote. That to me is like 
I'm just gonna cut you off. That to me is the worst, like the worst, because that's not something that you like. I feel like not that being racist is ever okay, but I feel like there are sort of the things that like you might say just trying to hurt somebody. Like that to me is so thought out and like like that guy's a piece of garbage. Like that's not I don't know. That's not like that's not witty. That's not clever. That's not like I said. It's not even it doesn't even sound emotional. It just sounds like you being a piece of trash. Like something about that wording really really hurts me. I don't know if it's the like the boy of it or what, but just something about that really like gets me at like a guttural level where I'm like, you're a scumbag. Yeah. And then um, McMahon continued. He said, another made a sexually explicit remark to Jaws mom, Jamie. And then that's me again. That's me. Like, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that like, it's okay, but I would like to know more specifically what it was. You know what I mean? Like, because I feel like you could say sexually explicit. And if it's like, I don't know, you know, an SMD, it's like, okay, that's that's in poor taste, but that's not, to me, the same level. And I, I mean, if anybody said that to my mother, I'd want to punch them. But that, to me, isn't to the same level of, like, dance for me, boy. Like, I don't know. Like, and I think then, you could just kind of, you could just kind of be, like, a little bit of, like, a, again, I, don't, I know we don't like to curse here, but, like, a little bit of a shithead, let's say, and, like, say something like that. Whereas opposed to, like, the dance for me, boy, like I said, that seems to go above and beyond to be, like, you really feel that. Like, there's a part of you that feels that. Like, oh, 100%. That's, that's like not rooted you in trying to get in the other guy's head. That's you, like, you're a racist. Like, yeah. And I mean, in Utah, I'm not really surprised no, by that. But, but apparently, so the third like thing. There's just a difference. Like, I can under, like, I just think there's a difference between I'm going to say something to try to get under your skin and I'm a racist. Like, yeah. But the last thing is the third fan apparently told John Morant's mom, shut the F up, B-I-T-C-H. So Yeah, which again, that's that to me is the least of the three where it's like, again, somebody says that's my mother, of course I want to fight him. But that is something that could happen in the, the heat of the moment, especially if you're going back and forth with people during the course of a game or whatever. Like, that to me isn't like jarring like the dance for me boy or whatever, like. Yeah, when like, I that's read that you one. Could, like if you're if you're having an argument with somebody, that like that wording should come out. Yeah, so that when I saw that quote, I was like, "Yeah, we have to talk about it because that's just ridiculous." Yeah, like Especially said, the, right now, the boy one really bothers me because like you're 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 just a racist. There's no dancing around that. Like the one thing I'm curious about, not that it matters at all, but like if all three of these guys were in the same group and like if they were just like they realized, like, oh, that's his parents, and they were just going to, like... Like, it doesn't make it right, but I just wonder if they were all together or if it was just, like, three separate occasions. I don't know. It's just bad. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, it's just... It's, like I said, it's just bad because, like, I totally get taunting, and I think you could be clever, and, like I said, if you want to attack him for being balding, or if, you know, you want to... If LeVar balls in the audience, or you want to get on him for his teeth or whatever, like, do stuff like that, but I don't know. Like, Keep it above, like keep like I said, try to keep it above the belt as fans. Like, be brutal, be loud, be obnoxious, but know where the line is and walk that line. Yeah, um, I was listening to what is it called, KJZ now on uh, yeah. ESPN Radio the other day, and they were had they had been talking about the uh, Kyrie Irving quote because like he was asked about going back to Boston. And he was saying how, which is uh, super ironic now that you look at what happened literally the next day, but. 
uh, Kyrie said that like he they he cope he, like he knows the fans are gonna boo him or whatever, but he just copes. They keep it to like just basketball, nothing racist, whatnot. And then literally these three incidents happen. But uh, Keyshawn Johnson responded. He was saying like his model when he was playing was like you can tell me I'm a bust, you can tell me I'm trash, I'm the worst player, or whatever. He's like, but the two lines you don't cross is don't say anything racist and don't touch me. So, like, it's literally like what you were just saying. Like, there's yeah, that, lines. I think that's the line. Like, you could taunt yeah. people about, like, taunt people about anything that you would taunt a white player. But like, basically, is is like what it is. Like, if you wouldn't say the things to a player of the same race as you, don't say it to a player of the opposite race. Like, and that even goes, and that even goes the other way. I feel like you don't see it or hear about it as much because most people in the stands at NBA playoff games are realistically white people with money. But, like, yeah, if there's a white player, I wouldn't expect a black fan to, like, say some craziness to them either, like, the same way. Like, you know what I mean? You control them, yeah. you call them, whatever. Unless you're Grayson Allen, and then I think you're kind of falling in the Tom Wilson category. But, <laughs> but, yeah, that's neither here nor there. So, yeah, just to end this on a, a light note, I guess, because that was pretty depressing talking about all these ignorant-ass fans. But uh, shout out to John Morant because that boy went off on the freaking Jazz. He had forty-seven points, seven assists, four rebounds, on fifty-seven percent shooting. So he's just—it's cool to see. Like, it seems like this new era of NBA players coming in and like really, yes, yeah. planting their, their names and their faces because obviously guys that we become so used to, like LeBron and whoever else, obviously Dirk left. So like, it's good to see. Guys like John ja Morant, Luka Doncic, Zion, especially Luka and, and Ja so far in this playoffs. But it's just it's really cool to see these young guys coming up and I'm excited to see. Yeah, I mean you look at what guys you look at what guys like Jason Tatum are doing. <laughs> he just had it's to really, it's really something he, to see. Um thank you again, Danny Ainge for putting this team where it needs to be. He's he's only nineteen. Can you just leave the kid alone, please? <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, I think we'll end it there. I don't even want to talk about the Nets Celtics because we know how that's going. But I got my broom. Don't worry. I'm I'm ready to sweep. So it's over. I was like, don't I worry. It. I'm starting to get excited. So I know the Nets will turn around and lose tomorrow. The <laughs> put me on the edge of my seat. Oh, God. We'll see. We'll talk about that in next week's episode. That'll do it for episode number 22 of The Blitz. We thank you all for listening. Rate, comment, subscribe, follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs>